You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Confess to One Another, is part eight in the series Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. What a great time of worship we've already had today. I'm looking forward now to opening God's Word with you. And so will you please find James chapter 5, the book of James and chapter 5. In James 5, I want to point out to you one of the most unpopular commands in the Bible even though it sits in the same verse with a very popular promise about prayer. This is an unpopular command that we're going to read about. Uh, It's one that rarely gets talked about, almost never gets preached about, but it is absolutely a game changer for Christians who struggle to live a holy life. I'm talking about the command in James 5.16 to confess to one another. Confess to one another. Now, this is one of the 59 one another commands found in the New Testament. Uh, They are the building blocks of Christian community. And I'm preaching about nine of these commands, spending nine weeks to do this because We need to be stronger in our relationships in the family of God. If we're going to be who God wants us to be and do what God calls us to do, we have to be united. We need to be stronger in our relationships with one another. And as a church, we are only as strong as our love for one another. We're only as strong as our relationships And so, like we've already talked about, uh, loving one another and serving one another and exhorting one another and so on, we also need to talk about this one, uh, confess to one another. Now, it's found in James chapter 5. We're going to jump into the middle of a section where uh, this book of the Bible is talking about how we care for one another in the family of God. And so, let's read up to it. Uh, and begin in verse 13. All right, if you're ready to hear God's word, say amen. Amen. Verse 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Uh, Now, if you just stop there, that one verse covers both ends of the spectrum of the Christian experience. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Sometimes you go through a time of suffering, and the Bible says here in verse 13, if you're in a time of suffering, then you need to go to the Lord in prayer. That's that's what we should do, is go to the Lord in prayer. And then sometimes, uh, it seems like life is blowing you kisses every time you turn around. You're happy, everything's cheerful, and in those times, you also need to go to the Lord and sing and, and praise Him for all that He's given you and all that He's done for you. Those things you can do all by yourself. 
to pray when you're down, to sing when you're happy. But there are times when you can't do it alone, you shouldn't do it alone, and you need to call in others for help. That's what it talks about in verse 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, Is anyone among you sick? And the indication there or the context is this is a serious illness. Uh, It says, Then let him call for the elders of the church. Now, elders there is one of three New Testament terms for a pastor. And so it, it says, let him call for the elders or the pastors of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. And so the Bible says here that if you're sick, then you may want to call the elders or the pastors of the church to come and pray over you. And it's not that uh, pastors uh, have more of a direct line to heaven than you do or pastors can pray better than you can. But the idea is that the pastors represent the combined love and faith of the entire church. And so representing the church, representing uh, the leadership of the church, they come and pray over you. And it mentions uh, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And we do that here. We practice that here. Uh, I've been asked to do that many, many, many times. Every time I've been asked by someone in the church to do that when they're sick, uh, I have uh, gotten other pastors together And we have done that. Now, we do anoint people with oil when we pray for them, if they request that. And when we do that, we realize there's no special healing power in the oil itself, uh, but rather that oil is a symbol all through the Bible of God's holy presence and God's healing power. And so what we do is when our pastors gather around the person who has asked us to do that, we we put a little oil on that sick person's head, we lay hands on them, and we pray over them. And when we do that, we're praying for a a total, a miraculous, and a God-given healing because we believe God can do that. We believe He's able. And so we, we pray for that. We do that very often. Uh, Now, I have not always seen God answer that prayer for healing with a yes, Uh, not an immediate yes, but I have always seen that kind of prayer bring comfort to the person who's sick, and I've always seen that prayer uh, bring some spiritual courage to that person who is sick, and what we find out uh, sometimes is that it's God's will not to bring about an immediate healing, but rather a healing through doctors and, and medicines over a period of time. And we thank God for that. Sometimes it turns out that God's will is to be glorified in that person's testimony while they're suffering through an illness. And then sometimes we find that God gives that person that we pray for a permanent ultimate healing all the way up to heaven where sickness can never touch their body 
again. And, and we praise God however He chooses to do that. But it says, call for the elders of the church to, to pray for that person. Uh, and then did you notice in verse 15 uh, that He makes a connection between sickness and sin. Uh, apparently, sin in the life of a Christian can sometimes lead to a physical illness. Now, I don't know if that's rare. I don't know if it's common. I don't know how often or even how to tell if that's the case. Uh, but uh, apparently, uh, there are times when those two things are connected and sometimes even some sin in a person's life is brought to light as they go through that period of suffering physically. However it happens, here's what we know. That sin needs to be dealt with. And for a Christian, the only way to rightly deal with a sin is to stop hiding it, stop denying it, stop blaming others for it, stop making excuses for it, and just confess that sin to God and seek His forgiveness. That's really the only, only way a Christian can deal with sin, is to turn from it. We repent of it and confess that sin to the Lord. And so uh, James really, in the next sentence, presses in on that issue of sin and and confession and what to do about that. And this is our one another command here, verse 16. It says, confess your trespasses to one another. Now the word trespasses there is one of the Bible words for a sin. In particular, that word trespasses means a side slip. It's when you step out of obedience to the Lord and into disobedience. It's when, it's when you step out of the way that God has given us to live our lives and you step off of that path. It, it is a transgression or a trespass, like you would see a no trespassing sign. When we cross the line into sin, that is a trespass. And so it says this, listen, confess your trespasses to one another. Who is that? Well, it's your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're supposed to do this with one another. And it says, and pray for one another that you may be healed. In other words, when we hear a confession of a sin from a brother or sister in Christ, then we are to respond by praying for them. We pray for them. And then the end of the verse is the great promise about prayer. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So unlike the, the scenario in verse 14, in verse 16, it's not just the pastors involved in praying. It's everybody. I mean, it's, it's all of us. We do this for one another. And when we do that the understanding and the assumption is that in the church, in the family of God, we're in this together. And so we share one another's struggles and we bear one another's burdens and we deal honestly with sins in our lives in the family of God. And we're honest about our weaknesses 
because we know we're going to love each other more. We're going to be stronger for the Lord to use if we'll do that. Now, there are in verse 16, I think, two different situations in view when we read that command to confess your sins to one another. Uh, The first one is this. If, and it's obvious, isn't it? If you've sinned against another person, your brother or sister in Christ, maybe you said something hurtful, maybe you spread a rumor, maybe you lied to them, maybe you broke a promise, maybe you ignored their need. Uh, But whatever it might be, if you've sinned against another Christian, then obviously you need to go to that person and confess that sin. Now, they probably already know you did it, but after you confess it to God, you need to confess it to them so that it's out in the open, the two of you together can give and receive forgiveness and move on in grace. Uh, Or, depending on the scope of your sin, you may need to confess it to the entire church. Uh, A good guideline for that is that if the sin is private, that is, it's just between you and the other person, then you make the confession in private. But if that sin is public and and, uh, what you said or what you did has affected the testimony of the whole church and and it's... um, it's disrupting the unity of the whole church, then it may need to be confessed to the entire church in front of everyone. Now, we we need to be wise about that for sure. But you may wonder, if I confess my sins to God and He forgives me, then why should I also have to confess my sins to someone else, a brother or sister in Christ. I mean, if God took care of it, then why should I have to confess to someone else? Well, I think the answer is because uh, as a Christian, your relationship with God is personal, but it is not private. You know what I mean? As a Christian, your relationship with God may be personal, but it's not private. In other words, what you do affects your brothers and sisters in Christ. The Bible says that the church is like a body and we're all members. We're parts of that body. What happens to one affects the rest. And so that means your spiritual health affects the health of the entire church. And that means that we need to deal with it with one another. Let me read a passage from 1 John chapter 1 that I think will help to clear it up. 1 John 1, just listen to these words beginning in verse 5. It says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Now in the book of 1 John, light represents Uh, the truth of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, obedience to the Lord, while darkness represents uh, lies and disobedience and sin. Okay? So verse 6 says, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light 
as he is in the light, listen to this, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And here's a great promise. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the vision that the Bible gives us of what it's supposed to be like in the family of God is that not only are we walking in the light with the Lord, but we're walking in the light with each other. And that means we're not hiding in the darkness with our sin. We're not concealing it in the dark, but rather we're walking in the light with each other and, and we're, we're open, we're, we're exposing that, we're confessing it so that all of that can be under the blood of Jesus. Uh, when you confess your sins to God, He brings cleansing and forgiveness. We have that promise. But something else happens when you confess that sin to a brother or sister in Christ. Somehow God uses that to bring about freedom and strength in your life. Think of it this way. Your fellow Christians are God's gift to you to fight sin and to win victory alongside you. So uh, that's one situation. I think in James 5.16, there's another situation that's also in view. And I think this is one that needs to happen more and more here in our church. Here's the situation. When there is a sin that it seems that you fall to over and over again. And it, it's, a, it's a sin that seems to trap you every day. You, you can't seem to get past it. You can't seem to win victory over it. You ask the Lord to forgive you, and then you end up just doing it again. And you realize my weakness for this sin keeps me defeated and discouraged. And, and I realize I, I don't just need a plan to manage this sin better. I need it gone. I need to be healed of this thing in this area. And I realize I cannot walk this road alone. I need someone else to come alongside me and fight with me. In that situation, what you need from James 5.16 is to go to a trustworthy, godly, mature brother or sister in Christ and maybe more than one and confess that sin to them. Why? So they can pray for you and so that their strength can make up for your weakness in that area and they can pray for you and fight with you. And the promise at the end of verse 16 is that that kind of praying really works. Inevitably, it's going to mean uh, when you confess that sin, that that brother or sister is going to begin to pray for you. And, and the promise in verse 16 is that that kind of prayer has powerful results. And God goes to work on your behalf and shows himself to be powerful in your life. And so that, that praying is is, uh, is effective. 
Remember, this is a command of God to confess our sins to one another. And God doesn't command us to do stuff that doesn't work. This works. And we have the promise that that kind of prayer is effective and powerful. Now, uh, let me give you this morning five benefits of confessing to one another. Five benefits of confessing to one another. Number one is this. When we confess our sins to one another, it drags our hidden sins into the light. That's so important because sin grows stronger in the dark where it's hidden and secret and covered up. Sin gets stronger. But when you drag that thing out into the light and it is confessed and it's exposed, it begins to lose its power over you. You see, Satan does not want you to find the healing that's talked about in verse 16 in that area of your life. He wants you to remain trapped and struggling with your sin. He wants you to remain buried under a load of shame and guilt. He wants you to be, uh, he wants you to keep covering up that sin with lies. He wants you to stay hidden and isolated and ashamed because of that sin. But confession, you see, it drags that hidden sin into the light. I like the way uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German Christian, said it. He said, sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. In confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. And let me tell you, when that happens, victory is within reach over that sin. Another benefit of confessing our sins to one another is that it humbles us in a good way. It humbles us. When you share your struggles with sin with another Christian, it, it just destroys your pride, doesn't it? Because you have to humble yourself and, and admit that you're not perfect. And trust me, that other person is not going to be shocked to find out you're not perfect. And you have to admit, I have failed in this area. I am weak in this area. And that admission is a good thing because that confession has a way of uprooting the pride that keeps sin alive and alluring to us. Confession, in a good way, is very humbling. A third benefit of confessing our sins to one another is that it unmasks our hypocrisy. Uh, here's what I mean by that. I find that I'm really good at confessing other people's sins and saying, did you see what she did? Can you believe what he said? He ought to be ashamed of himself. I'm good at confessing other people's sins. And when I do that, here's what's happening in my heart. I'm, I'm pretending that I never struggle with sin. And that I'm, well, I'm pretty perfect. And it's everybody else who has the problem. And that kind of hypocrisy is like a mask that we wear that doesn't 
hide what we're going through from the Lord or from one another. Here's what confession does. Confessing sin to another Christian rips off that mask of hypocrisy and it sets you free to be honest again. And it sets you free to repent and break free from that sin that has you bound. A fourth benefit of confessing our sin to one another is that it breaks the cycle of sin, silent prayer, promise, and repeat. Sin, silent prayer, promise, and repeat. You've been through that cycle, haven't you? Where you sin, there's that one thing it seems that you fall to over and over. You sin, and then you feel convicted about it. You feel bad about it. I, I, I cheated again. I lied again. I got wasted again. I, I looked at those images again. And so you sin, and, and it's a familiar sin, and you feel convicted about it. And so what do you do? Well, you pray silently and secretly in your heart, and you confess it to God, and you promise God, I will never, ever, ever do that again. And because you're not replacing that those lies with the truth, because you're not being strengthened in that area of weakness, you're good for a while, but then you fall to sin again and you repeat the cycle over and over and over. Sin, silent prayer, promise, and repeat. Isn't it time to break that cycle? And here's the thing. And can I just meddle for just a minute in your business? Here's the thing. If you're confessing your sin to God alone, silently in your heart, and yet you have to make that confession over and over and over and over for the same sin in that cycle, and you never get victory about it, it could be that you're not truly confessing to God, you're just confessing to yourself. And there is no healing when you only confess it to yourself. There is no victory that's going to come there. I think this is why we have that command in verse 16, to break the cycle. When we say it out loud to another one of God's kids, we have nowhere to hide. It's out. And the cycle is broken and sin begins to lose its power when it's uncovered and exposed and confessed. A fifth benefit, and I know uh, your notes and on the screen it says six, but this one's so good it counts for two, okay? When we confess our sins to one another, it opens the door for accountability. Accountability does not mean somebody is waiting to catch you in a mistake so that they can shame you. That's not accountability. Accountability means somebody else is aware of your weakness and they have your back. And they're praying for you. And even when you're not aware of it, they're praying for you to be strong. They're praying for you to endure. They're praying for you to have victory over that area in your life. Uh, It means somebody else 
is aware and they're watching out for you and they're praying for you and they're asking you the right questions. And there is power in that. Because the purpose of that kind of accountability is to share the burden with someone. To come alongside someone who's struggling and to share that burden and to lift them up when they're weak and to be there to hold them accountable to look to the Lord and not to their own strength. Question. What would it be like here at First Baptist Church if we were to cultivate a culture of confession. Think about it. A culture of confession where we all admit that we struggle and where it's okay to not be perfect and where we can feel free to be honest with each other about what we're going through and, and we can rely on one another to listen and to understand and to give us grace and to be trustworthy and what if we had a culture of confession here uh, to the point that that we all can can count on one another that when we mention a problem we're going to just be surrounded by the prayers of God's people And I'm aware some of you are kind of nervous about that. And you're wondering, is, is he about to tell us to turn to the person next to you and confess your worst sin? Or is the pastor going to have open mic this morning? And maybe you've seen it done wrongly before. And you wonder, well, what if it got out of hand? And people are just confessing all kinds of things. And here, here's how I would answer those concerns. It is far more dangerous for our church to be a place where we hide our sins than for this to be a place where we confess our sins. Proverbs 28.13 says it this way. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will find mercy. I can tell you this, I want to be in a place where mercy is flowing, not where everything's covered up. God won't bless that. I want to be a part of a church where the blessing just Flows. The mercy just flows because of the way we deal with it. And God has commanded that we confess our sins to one another. Now, uh, maybe while I've been talking about this, uh, the Lord has been talking to you and you know there's a conversation you need to have. And, and you know that either with your group or with a trusted Christian friend who is stronger than you are, you need to be honest and you need to have that conversation. Uh, if so, I want to encourage you to do it soon. Soon. 
Don't, do not procrastinate this. It's not going to get any easier. And I can tell you, it's going to be awkward. But between brothers and sisters in Christ, a little awkwardness is okay. For a few minutes and then you'll get beyond that and you'll be praying and, and pouring your heart out to the Lord together and God's going to go into action and, and show Himself to be powerful on your behalf. And, and so uh, you need to have the conversation. You may not know how to start or what to say. And so uh, let me just, as I close, give you some con- uh, confession conversation starters. All right? And maybe you just need to take a picture of this when all of them are on the screen. Uh, you're going to need it for later. Uh, first of all, maybe you could just start by saying, Hey, I crossed the line into sin when I did this or when I said this or when I reacted in that way. Um, maybe you could start the conversation by saying, Look, I need to tell you I'm really being tempted in this area and I know my weakness and I'm vulnerable it's a dangerous spot I'm really being tempted and let that person begin to pray for you another way to say it is lately I've been struggling with this issue and then last and maybe best can you pray for me about this in my life and just say it honestly can you pray for me Here's what happens in the family of God. We don't run and tell. We don't put it on social media. Here's what we do. We join hands or we kneel down and we take it to the Lord and we begin to pray that kind of effective, fervent prayer that accomplishes a lot in the name of Jesus. And when we pray for each other, God begins to move. Remember the promise at the end of verse 16. Let me read the command again and we'll pray. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Will you stand with me and let's pray about it today. Our pastors are going to be standing here in the front ready to uh, pray with anyone who may have a need. It could be that today your greatest response to God's truth is that you need to grab somebody by the hand and say, Hey, can you come up to the front and pray with me? Maybe you need one of our pastors to pray over you today. and We'd be glad to do that. It could be that God has put something or someone on your heart and you need to start the conversation right now by texting them and just say, look, here's what I'm dealing with. Let's meet up. And while God's moving in your heart, respond. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word and that you are a God who cleanses and forgives. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace. I pray that you would help us when we talk to each other to have that same kind of grace. And Lord, with a room full of people who are 
dealing with different sins and different issues. I'm thankful today, Lord, that you know each one. And Lord, I pray that you would move on every heart to confess, to bring it out into the open, to drag it into the light, and to deal with it. Lord, I pray for friends who need to join hands today and pray about it. I pray for married couples who need to talk to each other and have some awkward conversations so that there there can be cleansing and forgiveness. And Lord, I pray this morning for anyone here who has never before trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they confess to you, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need salvation. And Lord, I pray for for that work of your grace to happen in their life this morning, today. Lord, we thank you for this word. Help Help us to live it out now and to make these commitments to you that you're calling us to make immediately in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.